How is everyone today? Good, good. I see some thumbs up in the audience. It's good to be here. Welcome to our online um, participants. I'm so glad that you're here, and I pray that God will bless you through his word today. I'm Pastor Tammy. I'm the family I'm pastor to children here at First Naz, and I am getting to tell a story about my husband this week. <laughs> I don't often have stories to share about him or ones that I'm allowed to tell, but this one is a story specifically about my husband. So we'll get in there in just one moment, getting set up here. Um, I was privileged to ask to speak today last minute, so this is a sermon wrote many years ago, but I pray that God will bless you with it here today. Um, so for two years, we lived in Ontario. We lived in Ottawa, and that is about two hours from Montreal and about two hours from Mont Tremblant. Okay, now, this one weekend, my kids were so excited because I told them, we're going to the mountains for the week. Okay, these are Alberta kids. <laughs> Not what they were expecting. The mountains in, um, uh, um, mountains in Quebec are similar to what we live in in Calgary. They're hills. So this was not what they were expecting. This is where my husband grew up. He grew up in Quebec. And he was telling me about as a boy when he moved to Alberta. And his school was going skiing. And this was one of the first times he had ever skied in the actual mountains. And he got there and they said, oh, just, just go up the tow rope. And so he looked around, and he searched over there, and he saw something that was in the shape of a T. That must be the tow rope. So he gets on that, and it takes him up to the top of the hill. Ooh, it's a little high, so he walked down. Because he was, <laughs> that's too high. And so then he comes down, he gets down to the bottom, and he's like, oh, I'm so tired. But then he sees a chair, and he thinks, oh, that chair is going to take me where I need to go. And so he goes over to the chairlift, and he gets on the chairlift, and it goes past where the T-bar took him. It takes him to the very top of Mount Norquay. And he is up there, and he's like, there's no way I'm going down. So he walked down. <laughs> this kid is exhausted. So he tries another chairlift. This is how the story goes. I don't know if there's two chairlifts there. And so he tries this, he goes up, and once again, in the wrong place. And so they let him take the chair down, because they see this kid is just done. So he gets down to the bottom, and he is exhausted, he is worn out, he is just done. I don't know what to do, because I came here to have a fun day, and yet I'm exhausted, I'm worn out, I'm not a skier, I can't figure this out, and someone comes over to him and says, what are you doing here? What are you doing over here? And they took him to where the tow rope was. As a society, over these past two years, we have become more and more disconnected from each other. Many of us, in a plea to reconnect, have spent hours playing on our phones. Some of us have started YouTube channels. Even my grandma has learned how to use Instagram. And the crazy and sometimes amazing things that kids post on TikTok 
and we have watched everything Netflix has to offer. <laughs> and, but many of us feel isolated away from society. Many of us have bought a dog, an air fryer, started sourdough. Um, we have filled our homes with plants. We have planted gardens. But as time drags on, we've become people who primarily watch life. But do we still live life? Because when we isolate and we spend so much time alone, we begin to forget our purpose. We begin to forget our identity. And yet it is precisely these times set apart in which our richest growth in Christ can happen if we allow it to. This reminds me of the story of Elijah. Back in 1 Kings 18, the backstory of Elijah is present, and it talks about Elijah, and he had been through a very long week, probably longer than most weeks you've ever had, but maybe not. <laughs> he had picked a fight with King Ahab. He had mocked the prophets of Baal. He had built an altar, dug a trench, around it, put wood on the altar, cut up a bull, put that on the altar also, and then after the Lord had answered his prayers and sent down fire to consume not only his offering, but all around it, Elijah single-handedly slaughtered all 450 of Baal's prophets. Then, then, he's not exhausted by now, he climbs to the summit of Mount Caramel and prays fervently, he runs all the way down, and he runs to the entrance of Jezreel about 17 miles. He even beat Ahab's chariot. Phew. First Kings 19, 3-5 says, And then Elijah became afraid. Because you see, all of these prophets of Baal were King Ahab's wife Jezebel's best buddies. And he was afraid. He ran another 100 miles. He went into isolation and he chose to go into the wilderness. Utterly alone, still running, still alone, another 25 miles. And he sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. 1 Kings 19, 5 to 8, I love this next part. God sends an angel to Elijah, and the angel says to him, this journey is too much for you. Have you felt at times that your journey is just a little too much? I know I have. And he tells him to sleep, to eat, to rest. There's some times where I need someone to tell me that. Just rest. Here's some food. Here's something to drink. Just rest. Oh, the angel brings him bread and water. And now he could have brought him anything to eat, but he brings him bread and water. And while we could equate bread and water to simply being a simple meal, which it probably was, I love to draw out little connections throughout all of Scripture. It makes my heart smile, and it shows me little ways that God is so in the details and cares so much for each and every one of us. If you look back in Scripture... Bread and water are what God provided for the Israelites as they sojourned through the desert. Elijah's walking through that same desert right now. 
and looking forward. If we look in John 6, 3 to 5, what does Jesus say about bread? I am the bread of life. No one comes to me will ever be hungry or thirst again. And then back a couple of pages, John 4, 10 and 14, and what does Jesus say about water? If you knew the gift of God and who is saying it to you, give me a drink. He would, we would, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Anyone who drinks of this water will never get thirsty again. These are phenomenal statements. First, by equating himself with bread and water, Jesus is saying that he is essential for life. He is essential for your life. And second, the life that Jesus is referring to is not a physical life, but an eternal life. Here, Jesus is not talking about alleviating physical hunger or thirst. The key is found in another statement. Matthew 5 to 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. When Jesus says that those who come to him will never hunger and those who believe in him will never thirst, he is saying that he will satisfy our hunger and our thirst. He will reveal to us our true identity. So here is Elijah. He is exhausted and weak, and God sends him water and bread. And after sustenance, he keeps on walking and walking and walking, but it's a slow walk now. It's a trudging walk. He's meandering. Remember, he is meandering, he is wandering around in the same desert that the Israelites had wandered around in and meandered around in earlier in the scripture. And he finally finds a cave and he spends the night. During this pandemic, I will be the first to admit that I've watched entirely too much TV. Netflix, also Prime, Masterpiece, BritBox, um, there isn't much on there except for the scary stuff, zombie movies, dinosaur movies, uh, that I've not at least tried to watch. And I feel God asking me, what are you doing here? Not in a harsh way but in an extremely loving and concerned way. Like Jesus is inviting me to an intervention. What are you doing? You've watched all 10 seasons of Call the Midwife. What are you doing? And similarly, God asks Elijah, what are you doing here? I'm sure in one form or another, God often asked you this question. What are you doing? What are you doing here? What are the things you do in a week, in a day? What are the thoughts that you have where somewhere in your busyness or your isolation, God asks you, what are you doing here? And I love Elijah's answer here, and I'm going to loosely paraphrase, because Elijah is saying, I'm over here, God, I'm doing all the good stuff, and everybody else is not, I'm alone, and I'm gonna die. Or let's put this in mom ease. I'm over here, God. I'm taking care of absolutely everything. The kids to school. I'm paying the bills. I'm doing my devotions. I'm going to church online or in person. I'm watching my shows. I'm checking my feeds. I'm making supper and sourdough bread. And I'm walking the dog. And I'm trying to figure out this air fryer. And I'm over here, God, all by myself. 
been there too many times. I'm all alone, and I'm going to die. Just like Elijah was saying to God, I'm over here, I'm doing all the good stuff, and I still feel alone. Apply this sentiment to whatever challenge God is walking you through right now. So often we assume that we are alone, and we carry the weight of the word world on our shoulders. But God, but Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me and I will give you rest. What are you doing here? God asks Elijah, what are you doing here? God asks you, be as literal or as existential with that thought as you would like to be. What are you doing here? Elijah had just undertaken the entire wilderness experience. Have these past two years been a wilderness experience for you? Often, when we are in a season of life that is hard or overwhelming and we see no way out of, we also join in that wilderness experience where we feel overwhelmed, alone, and like we're going to die. Even though we are really trying to be okay, make a go of it, we still feel alone. During one of my wilderness times in my life, I used to drop my children off at the babysitter and I would walk along the beach. Now the beaches in Slave Lake, Alberta are incredible. If you have never been to Slave Lake and walked the beaches there, oh, please go. They are incredible. And this was a place of healing for me. And the sand was so deep and the waves were so loud and it was just a peaceful place to go. And I would walk along the sand every day. I would drop the kids off at the babysitter. This was my time to go and be with God. And I would walk in the sand. And this one day, when I was especially calling out to God and saying, I'm alone, I don't know what I'm going to do next, this little tag in the sand caught my eye. This little black thing. And I bent down and I picked it up. And it was this little tiny black tag. And the words on the black tag were unbreakable. I didn't know how to apply those words at that time. I felt very breakable. But God's love for me was never unbreakable. When we are alone, God's love for us is never unbreakable. I feel that God uses these wilderness times in our lives to profoundly shape and change us, to minister, minister to us. It is in our dark places, in the times where we feel like Elijah, that we have had enough, there is no more left of us, it is there that the Holy Spirit ministers to us. In 1 Kings 19.11, the Lord says to Elijah, go and stand in the Lord's presence. I'm not sure about you, but when life gets down, me down, and I'm wrapped up in myself or in my business or in anything and everything that causes me to curl up inside of myself, I don't always remember to go and stand in the Lord's presence. But Elijah stood in the Lord's presence, and the Lord showed Elijah absolute chaos. He showed him with the howling wind, the earth quaking, the fire raging, and Elijah stood in the presence of the Lord. And then, in the stillness, in the ensuing quiet after a storm, Elijah heard God speak to him.
There have been times where we feel like a newborn colt, shakily rising to our feet to stand in the presence of God. We are worn and weary and broken, yet somewhere in the depths of us, we hear the word of God encouraging us to stand, to stand in spirit, to stand in his presence, beckoning us to come out of our cave, out of our isolation, our grief, our busyness, out of ourself, and simply, and simply stand in his presence. The storm may still rage around us, and the wind and earthquakes and fires of life will still roar. And suddenly, there in his presence is calm. We are there in his presence, and the world stands still, and we feel surrounded by his love, and it is there in that place of our isolation, our sadness, or our busyness, or our pain, or our humanness. It all melts away. And we hear the Lord whispering to us. What does he say? He tells us who we are. Often we read and know all about who God is in the Bible. He is a rock, he is our redeemer, he is holy, and so much more. But let, you, let me tell you something that we don't often hear. This is what God whispers to you. This is who God says, you, says who you are. And if I get through this without crying, it'll be a miracle. Listen, you are a new creation. You are a royal priesthood. All grace abounds towards you. You are anointed. You are the apple of God's eye. You are being perfected. You are the beloved. You are blameless. You are blessed. You've got bold access to the throne of God. You are part of the bride. You can do all things in Christ. You are chosen. You are a chosen generation. Christ dwells in you. You are a co-heir with him. You were created for good. You're a disciple. You are free. You are free from sin. He has freely given you all things. You're a friend of Christ. You are fruitful. You are gifted. You're the habitation of the Holy Spirit. You have the mind of Christ. You are highly favored. He is for you, not against you. You are healed. You are hidden in Christ. You are highly favored. You are his possession. You are his workmanship. You are increasing in the knowledge of God. You are inseparable from the love of God. You are a jewel in his eye. You are justified. You are known by him. You are lacking nothing. You're living by faith. You're living in God's word. You're made in his image. You are more than conquerors. You are a new creation. You are a new people. You are prepared for good works. You are protected. You are redeemed. You are the salt of the earth. You are sanctified. You're saved. You're a servant of God. You're the sheep of his pasture. You're a shining star a son and daughter of God. You're strengthened by him. You are transformed. You walk by faith. And there is so much more in scripture that when you read scripture, your heart starts to hear what his voice sounds like. So when those times when you need to hear what he is saying to you, you go, oh, I am his son. I am his daughter. I am redeemed. And God just whispers those words over you. Stop wandering in that wilderness. Spend time in the Word of God. Get that Bible out one more time. 
open it on your kitchen table or get a really good app like Bible Gateway or Blue Word Bible and just read of his goodness and how he relates to you. Be in his presence. Maybe what you need right now is to let him take care of you, to bring you bread and water, and to minister to your soul. All of our fears, our thoughts, our busyness, our aloneness, he sees. If you hear nothing else here today, hear that he cares for you and that you are so very precious to God. He sees each heart here today. He sees your struggles with health, finances, your kids. He sees your marriage. He sees whatever's going on for you. I love how later on in 1 Kings, God shows Elijah <laughs> that he is actually not alone, and neither are you. God restores Elijah in the wilderness, in his isolation, but then God shows him something so incredibly restorative. God shows him that he's not alone. In fact, there are 7,000 other believers 7,000 other faithful people. You are surrounded here today by people who love and care for you. And yet sometimes we still tell ourselves that we feel alone. I encourage you with Elijah's story that even when we feel alone, you have a church full of people who would love to talk to you and be your friend. And that God is always with you. Invite the worship team to come forward. I believe that we are each coming out of a wilderness time in our lives. I see God guiding each and every one of your lives. When I talk to you and I see, hear and see what God is doing in and through you. Who does God tell you that you are? Is there a certain phrase that stands out to you and do you feel him speaking over you? Write it on a sticky note, put it somewhere where you can see. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, all of you. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls.